0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to The Jewish Reaction, presented by the OU, the Orthodox Union, right here on the Nachum Signal Network. My name is Eli Hagler. I'm the Associate Director of Yachad. And we are in the middle of our three-week uh, lead-up to Pesach. Of course, last week I was joined by Rabbi Ailey Gersten uh, of OU Kosher, who was the, who is the expert on the general questions, as he keeps hold of all of the database to do with all of the Shilas and all the questions that are coming in. Uh, from all over the place, all over the world, he was telling us. Uh, of course, you can catch that show on the archives at com. And today I'm excited to introduce my next guest from OU Kosher, Rabbi Gabriel Price, who is by title a rabbinic coordinator, uh, specifically in the ingredients department. But around this time of year, he becomes the medicine man. That's right. <laughs> Rabbi Price, welcome to The Jewish Reaction. It's a privilege to be here. So talk a little bit about, about yourself first, where you're from, how you got into this, um, and how long you've been with the OU and your responsibilities.
1: Well, I'm from Los Angeles. We moved to New York when I was 11 years old. I've heard of it. I I was, like probably a lot of other people, I was learning in Kolel. And uh, I had a neighbor who is from Gordimer, who's a wonderful representative of the OU here in the office, too. And he was encouraging me to apply for the OU position. Um, At the time, we were learning all the halachas that were pertinent to Kashrus, And so I, I took him up on it, and lo and behold... Several weeks later, Robek and called me in for an interview, and that's how I ended up uh, here with the OU.
0: How long have you been here?
1: For about 15 years.
0: Wow! So you were here when it was just a little little bit of a company, you know?
1: Well, I was here when it was <laughs> pretty, it was pretty well big. established, um, <laughs> but it's been growing since I've been here, and certainly both quantitatively and qualitatively. So we
0: were just talking a little bit off the air before we, before we came on, just how fascinating and big and. All inclusive, the kosherist department is like I, I, you know. The example that I gave was, and I had this when I had Eric Goldberg on the show a few months ago, is you don't realize, or people don't realize, that every step of the process along the way needs to be certified Kosher. You know, his example was the truck that comes from. I'm making this, you know, the Domino Factory that's going to Atlanta to the Coke Factory to make the Coca Cola. That truck itself needs to be kosher it. needs to be under kosher supervision. And you were just telling me a little bit about one of your responsibilities is overseeing transportation. Talk a little bit just about the how big this operation is and what OU kosher is doing out there.
1: Right. Well, most people are familiar with the OU on the retail products. That's where they see it on the Coke products or other products. They see an OU symbol. But one just has to spend a little time thinking about all the ingredients in the global supply chain that is required to feed those, that sort of incorporate them become ingredients, restart. That, that one just has to think for a moment about the global supply chain that is the background to each product, that each ingredient, let's say of have a chocolate chip cookie, there's the chocolate chips, and there's the flour, and there's the sugar, like you mentioned earlier. Each of those in itself has to be certified kosher, and it, sometimes it takes really several steps in a supply chain before it can, re- you know, sort of manifest itself in a retail product. So the, as a result, the OU has to be on top of it in every step of the game. One part of that, as you just mentioned, is the transportation of the liquid bulk commodities. So one of the opportunities I've had since I've been at the OU is to be involved in the transportation of these commodities. And, and it is a real window into seeing the global transportation of things because we have commodities coming over th- by ship, we have through rail car. Um, there's different types of ways they can get sent over by ship. There's these big things called chemical parcel tankers. There's something called isotank tankers. Um, and we have to keep an eye on that and the different types of kosher issues that they can potentially pose and address those issues and then go ahead and certify the commodity along with the um, with the understanding that the motor transportation doesn't pose any – it doesn't undermine the kosher status of that commodity.
0: So the OU kosher doesn't only certify food-producing companies. It also whole transportation companies.
1: Yeah, we actually are. We're certifying – in the United States, there's quite a few tanker-trailer companies that have dedicated their fleets or dedicated large parts of their fleet to kosher, and we track those units to make sure that they're only using kosher commodities and the ones that they've agreed upon with the OU. Wow. So too with rail cars as well.
0: That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable the the, apps, the the size of the operation, right. and you know, thinking about what is really, I like, take a look at a can of Coke. You know, there's hundred ingredients in there. All of those are coming from somewhere. Coke is not making their own, you know, corn syrup or sugar or whatever else is in there.
1: That's right. And, I mean, another example of this that, that kind of um, reflects the com- you know the complexity of this supply chain is the Coke itself has flavors. There's vanilla Coke, and vanilla Coke is the vanilla flavor is provided by a flavor company. And that company, it's not just vanilla beans. It's vanilla with a lot of other different components in that vanilla flavor that they've come up with that provides a convincing vanilla flavor. Or let's say it's a peach flavor. It's not just peach. It's peach with a bunch of other chemicals, sometimes dozens in one thing, each of which had to be it had its own source in a different part of the world, and each of which had to be vetted and and reviewed and made sure that it's approvable by the OU. Wow. So, um, Yeah,
0: Uh, it's uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. You're listening to the Jewish Reaction right here on the Nachum Siegel Network, presented by the OU, the Orthodox Union. I'm being joined by Rabbi Gabriel Price, who has been a coordinator, but around this time of year, like I said earlier, they call you the medicine man. Why, Why is that?
1: Well, a lot of what we do, obviously, is certify a lot of products as Pesach certified with an OUP. A lot of people need products, whether for health reasons or other reasons, they need products that don't have an OUP, and they need guidance on what products they can or cannot take, despite the fact that there's no certification on them per se. So a good fraction of those questions have, are for health reasons. People simply want to know, can I take this, can I take that? And we, besides the fact that we certify products, as you know, we have a cautious hotline, and people call us, and asking for guidance on, on these types of questions in general, and specifically before Pesach. There's many, many people want this type of guidance on what type of medicines they can or cannot use before Pesach, what they can forego, what they shouldn't forego.
0: So et let's talk a little bit about not medication yet, maybe just supplements and vitamins, because these are things that everybody, not everybody, a lot of people take. They take daily, they sure. take a few times a day. Right. But it's something that, and I'm not a doctor, it's something that. They'll be fine for eight days if they just did without. Right. So, are there some? Right. Obviously, if somebody needs to take something for life, okay, there's no problem. But for vitamins or uh, supplements or things like that, are there scenarios where people are allowed to take it if it's not kosher for Pesach or if it's not approved? Or I'm sure that there are some vitamins that probably have chametz in them. Right. So, you know, well, h- how do you talk a little bit about that?
1: Well, I think the, the sort of the easy answer to that question is. There's a range of answers to that question, which sure. is that this is really important that people do. In general, I'm sure that this has been mentioned on this um, on this show before, but I'll just reiterate it. It's extremely important that even though the OU does want to provide guidance and does provide a cautious hotline, we can generally provide information both about our products, and I can, and some of the people in our group can provide information about the actual technical metzius, about the information about what's, what's in there. But it's crucial that they develop a relationship with their rabbi because the answers to these types of questions does vary, and also the person's personal situation varies it, 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 itself. So there's you know there are rubanim that are quite machmir when it comes to the medicines, and there's rubanim that are quite makol when it comes to the medicines, what's considered a food item, what's considered not a food item. Uh, there's a lot more leniency for items which are not considered a food. Um, there's a concept called akhshavay, which is that, let's say, it's you would generally think objectively this is not a food, but once someone takes it and puts it in his mouth, it sort of halakhically becomes a food because he's now looking at it as a food. So there's a lot of variation. Um, there, there's a lot of difference of opinion, I should say, among post about how to look at that. So it is important for people to speak to their own personal rav about a given situation. Um, having said that, it happens to be that there it, it, Obviously, Rav can't, usually cannot answer that question responsibly without knowing, well, is there real Khametz in there or is not really Khametz in there? Um, and so that's where we can be helpful. It happens to be that although there's a lot of literature about this, and in, in Mr. Brewer discusses it, the Postcom discusses this at, at some amount of, quite a bit at length, most products, I would say, most vitamins, um, certainly pills, capsules, tablets, A lot of of things, certainly, that are made in the United States, very rarely are produced with hummus ingredients. There's various reasons for that. Um, And so it's definitely, before being machmer on something, it's certainly worthwhile at least clarifying what's the mitzvah. So you're right to say that there are certainly vitamins and various things that people can do without on Pesach, and that's a healthy thing. Sometimes part of pesach is about learning to it's deal little, with
0: like a cleanse
1: it's a cleansing right? time it's a time to to kind of focus on the basics see what what kind of things we really don't really need in our life it's a very help it's very important time in general it's it to to think about those types of things um and specifically obviously as it relates to food um and obviously here when it comes to health there you know a person doesn't need to be machmir on those types of things but it is healthy to think about well do i really need these types of things and people do um People sometimes take advantage of, well, the OU is saying, well, this is okay. Yes, but it's only okay for certain types of people that really need this type of product. And we have those kinds of conversations. But in a nutshell, um, these are all relevant questions that you're bringing up, and there's difference of opinion. And But as I said, it happens to be that in many cases, um, all the halachic discussions about whether you can take it, even if it has chametz, become immaterial because there's not chametz in a lot of these products anyway.
0: And then, in terms of medication, is it similar also in that if you're taking a medication that let's say you take every single day, can you assume that you can continue to take it? Or do you, again, still have to go back and ask as opposed to a medicine that, you know, you're only on this for a five day stretch, you're only on this for a 10 day dose, or it's something that you should take when you feel You need it. Are all of those different categories of whether or not you can or can't take?
1: Right. Those are all pertinent things to bring up with a RUV. I think, you know, I'm on this and I'm supposed to take it every day. Let's say prenatal vitamin. This is a good question. I Uh think different – this is one of the, you know, top ten questions. Women take the prenatal vitamins. Um, There's, again, I would say that in my experience, first of all, many of the the prenatal vitamins that are certified kosher, they're not all certified kosher, but many of them um, that are certified kosher, Sort I, I can't think of an instance where there's a problem of Pesach per se. Um, but again, I, I do want to reiterate that can have different perspectives on this. So I, and it's it's worth a person asking his or her own personal rav, I guess, it, about these prenatal vitamins.
0: But at the end of the day, right. you know, that personal rav is still going to need to come to someone, probably the OU, probably to you, just right. in terms of the process or the ingredients, or how do they go about. Producing the medication.
1: That's correct. Mm -hmm.
0: Right, right. Unbelievable.
2: Say, oy you, hold 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 you, oy you, hold you, hold you, 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 Hoy yo, oh, 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 Se <tose> mishevo sebo i see you I'll see you
0: You're listening to The Jewish Reaction right here on the Nacham Siegel Network, presented by the OU, the Orthodox Union. My name is Eli Hagler. I'm the Associate Director of Yachan. I'm being joined this week by Rabbi Gavriel Price, uh, the OU's expert on uh, medications and supplements, uh, dealing, of course, with um, kosher for Pesach. Of course, last week we had Rabbi Rabbi Eli Gerstein on speaking about generic uh, in general, OU questions in the database of chivos and answers that they have compiled. Um, and next week, we have Rabbi Elef, who will be um, talking about what's new and upcoming for uh, Pesach. And, of course, we can also uh, ask questions directly. Please email them to Ellie. that's E-L-I, at com. Of course, if you have any questions uh, now, you can always go to ou.org, oukosher.org, or oupassover.org. And there are hundreds of Uh, of answers there to be found as well uh, this past weekend, I know that I got it at home and I assume many of you did also is the Jewish Action Magazine the OU's magazine together with the OU uh, Pesach Guide which has a huge amount of information in it Rabbi Price, what are other questions that you have gotten that are that are common, similar to, let's say you said, the prenatal vitamin, other things that are pretty common that you're getting now you know, as we get closer and closer to Pesach.
1: Well, I'll, I'll just say I wanted to, to just share one question. I wouldn't say it's common, although it, it does come up um, somewhat frequently. There's a number of products that – I'll just start off with, with one specific case. Last year, an nutritionist from Teaneck, actually, a Gentile man, had a, a patient who is Jewish, a, a boy, and a product that he wanted to give to this boy contained oat fiber. And he said that the parents were nervous about this because Pesach was coming up, and this nutritionist felt it was an important product. Again, it wasn't only oat fiber, but oat fiber was an ingredient in it, and he wanted to know. He reached out to the OU for guidance on what he could speak to the parents about. And it turns out this oat fiber product is certified by the OU for year-round use, and it's um, this same oat fiber, this fiber that comes from oats, is used in some um, supplements that are used for for people who... um, are lacking fiber in general. Um, there's a product called Jevity, another product called Glucerna that's listed in the Jewish Action magazine. And it's important to know this because people see oat fiber and a red flag goes off. And you know, it's, oats, one of the Chamishimini Dogim. It's it presumably Chametz. But it's important to know that oat fiber, and in contrast to oat bran fiber, is actually comes from the hull of an oat. And the whole of the oat is discussed by the Muggan of Rum. In Yiddish, it's called the Shpreyer, and it's not khametz. It's actually the, it's like the husk of the oat. And I think fairly recently, different companies have been using that, grinding it up. There's an OU company that makes this, and that's why we know, have a lot of information about it. They actually, I think, buy a lot of the oat holes from the cereal companies that make the oats, and the cereal companies make curios and whatever else they make with these oats. And... You would think that the you know the solace the, the the oak holes the the um, is just you know garbage for them they actually turn around sell it, and it, it can be used in these supplements so it, it's it's actually not a problem of comments, and fortunately, I was able to tell this person in this case he give it to the boy parents were reassured and as I said it its it comes up in a lot of different products um, Some of the other um, common questions that come up these days is a lot of them. Revolve around children that can 't drink milk or don 't drink milk the rest of the year, um, they have various allergens, and parents appropriately are trying to figure it out. Some of them actually have kids not just they want to drink soy milk or almond milk because they like it, but some in some cases in some of the more severe cases there's some real issues of the kids subsisting you know they need a diet where they can get enough gain enough weight and they can um, you know stay healthy with a proper you know nutrition and a proper diet so what we try to do every year and again we don 't have Soy milk or almond milk or coconut milk, some of these are pro- popular milks these days, these milk alternatives. Um, what we do do is we provide uh, a list, and it's also in Jewish Action, of different milks that we could, we can, that can be used for children. It, generally speaking, this is just a question for children because i think mostly adults have found alternatives that they can use and usually some of these when you say children
0: you're referring to, to infants who are still or even older or or some, some
1: kids that need a diet where they they need you know a full nutrition and that they have you know they they would like to have or soy milk and almond milk or some of these other milk alternatives um address a need of theirs so that's a very common question that comes up and it's actually not all milk not all milk alternatives are as straightforward as they seem um A lot of them are fine and and they're listed, and we've tried our best to list brands that are available nationally. In other words, if it's just, you know, a local ShopRite brand, I don't think ShopRite's necessarily through the whole country. Um, But there's Safeway and there's other market brands and different national brands that we do try to make – we do try to list so that it is accessible to to many. Um, But there are cases where – I'll give you an example. Um, Rice Dream is certified by the OU. Um, that's a popular product throughout the year and a lot of kids like it and a lot of adults like it. Um, the way that rice starch is made into a sweetener is that there's an enzyme which is used to break the starch. Starch is a very large, very long molecule. And if you break it up in different ways in certain times, in selected ways, it, it creates a certain sweetness. Um, so... They, can, they do use an, uh, a, a barley enzyme that can, uh, it's barley-based to sort of be an agent of that sweetening process. Um, so the OU generally has taken a machmer approach to say, well, if they're using that as an agent, even though that ultimately it's going to be removed from the product, it may not appear. Actually, I believe it used to appear on the ingredients label. label. It doesn't anymore appear on the ingredients label. But nevertheless, it's something to avoid on Pesach. So um, just to, to sort of flesh that out, the unsweetened rice stream, is okay for Pesach it's because fine, it because doesn't use bar, that thing, but the regular standard original rice stream is problematic. So it's, it's important for people to know that because actually in that case, there's a good argument could, could be made. It's not only prohibited to drink the rice milk, but you can't even own it. Um, so, you know, so, so sometimes those, those things are worthwhile to clarify. Um, I also just want to take this moment that when we do list these things, we're not saying... This is okay for people who are ochle kidneous. other words, the OU has a certification, I think it just in the last few years, for ochle kitneus. Um It's pesach it's, We've looked into it from the beginning to the end. We've verified everything is completely chametz-free, and we certify it as such, and people who eat it can enjoy it on, on Pesach. This, this, the research that goes into these soy milks or these dietary supplements... Are not It's not of that level. We're going based on various chazakas or based assumptions about how these things are generally made. We don't necessarily check things for Pesach, um, but we we have basis halachically for making certain assumptions. So the certification level of something which is OUP, but it's for kidneys goes far beyond the the research that I'll do in order to make available foods for children or uh, sometimes adults that need those foods. So, for example, a Sephardi person may call me and say, well, I'd like to have this rice stream unsweetened, for example. And I said, listen, you can do what you want, but we're not, that's not what we're providing this information for. There's a lot of things, vitamins. They might be bottled. They might be buttled before Pesach. And There's different heterium that you could possibly rely on, but that's not what we're doing here. We're making this available for people who need it.
0: There's clearly so many different scenarios and options out there, and obviously everybody should consult with their local rabbi. Um, but, of course, there's a wealth of information out there on OU.org, on OUKosher.org, and OUPassover.org. Uh, you're listening to The Jewish Reaction right here on the Nachum Siegel Network, presented by the OU, the Orthodox Union. My name is Eli Hagler. I'm the Associate Director of Yachad, and you can catch us here every Tuesday morning, morning immediately following Nachum on Jayim and the AM from 9.00. To 10 a.m. Uh, I'm being joined by Rabbi Gabriel Price, our a coordinator with OU Kosher, specializing in uh, vitamins and ingredients and supplements. Um, of course, last week I was joined by Rabbi Ailey Gerstein speaking about generic uh, kosher for Pesach questions, and I'll be joined next week by Rabbi Eli Elef, uh talking about what's new and upcoming. Of course, if you have any questions related to kosher, you can email uh, kosherq at ou.org, or you can email me. Eli, that's E-L-I, at NahumSiegel.com. And we will ask your question uh, to Rabbi Elef. Uh Rabbi Price, what are the other items related to either medicine, supplements, sure. anything that, that you come across and that comes across your desk? Well, baby It'll formulas baby on.
1: formulas in general, of course, is very important for people to know. Um, and all every OU product, every OU baby formula, which there are a lot of them, there's actually not too many makers of, manufacturers of, baby formulas, but there's a lot of brands out there because there's something called a private label. A private label means there'll be a manufacturer of a given product, and then different companies that own brands will ask, can you make this product with our brand? So there's there's maybe 50 different OU-certified baby formulas out there. Um, they're really only made in a couple different places, um, and they're all okay for Pesach, and that's also listed here, and that's an important thing for people but to know. But they
0: still do need a hechsher.
1: They need a hechsher. They no should have a hechsher, right. But I'm just saying those which have a hechsher under the OU happen to also be approvable. They're approved for Pesach so as well.
0: Take a look out there. Get get your hands in the OU guide to Passover. I got mine this past weekend, uh, but you can also download it for free at oukosher.org and oupassover.org. There's a guide with a list of hundreds of products uh, and any, anything that you might need. Uh, it's a very comprehensive list. Also, of course, you can reach out to the OU, to the OU Kosher Hotline or to kosherq at ou.org. Uh, Rabbi Price, we only have just a few minutes left. Maybe what's one other uh, area of kosher's that maybe we haven't spoken about that might apply to uh, Pesach in relation to medication, supplements,
1: ingredients? One, one area that I think would be helpful for the listeners to maybe have some clout in is one of the popular questions that we get addresses um, sugar alternatives on Pesach. People, for various reasons, sometimes very good reasons, don't want to take sugar. And, of course, they would like to have a sweetener. Now we spoke before about how it's healthy to just stay away from things that aren't certified for Pesach in general, and this is the time to simplify your life. Yes, that's true. Um, There's different things that we've been exploring for sweetener alternatives, but sugar alternatives are sweeteners. But we're not, we haven't been that successful in um, certifying some sweetener alternatives, some sugar alternatives. I'm sorry for Pesach. So. This is the kind of thing that when consumers, I think, often underestimate the clout that they have. So, for example, if they some of the questions that have come up in the past, people, lately agave syrup is a popular sugar alternative. That's
0: what I was going to ask you. There's nothing
1: under OUP. I think the process is pretty pure. Um, I'm not ready to say all agave syrup is okay for Pesach without an OUP, but it is one of these things where if people would see, you know, whatever their favorite brand is and call them up or email them and say, hey... I heard that you know your pro- your product is would be a pretty good candidate for Pesach certification. I think that you know will probably be very successful. A lot of people are looking for sugar alternatives. Companies would be attentive to that. Stevia is another popular product. It's a little trickier to get that. Um, the way stevia is made is it's stevia is a plant. They have to extract the sweetener from the plant, and that extraction medium is ethanol. Ethanol can be from chametz, so it's a little more complicated that that would ever be a really good candidate for Pesach certification. Um, I think people don't use it that often as a sweetener, but maple syrup is a pretty good candidate for Pesach. Um, it, it, we, we actually are listing it right now as acceptable. As long as it's 100% maple syrup,
0: it can it's be fine. Okay it can be okay used on, on Pesach. Pesach. You don't need an, an OUP, OU, right. But
1: you need an OU. You need an OU, but you, but, but you don't need an OUP per se. Um, so that's something that I think is, you know, it, it it's definitely would be helpful to the Seaboard to have O U P sugar alternatives. Is
0: that something that you know in and the next three, five, eight, ten years you think will be changing drastically across the board in the response from companies? To can we improve or change the production of the product to ensure that it is kosher for Passover? Well, it, it it could be. I mean, what, what, it has to be done with
1: a little bit of chachma. So, for example, what you really need to do is you need to contact a company, work with the company. Oftentimes, these companies obviously need some education about what this means, you know, just in sort of just basic technical detail. But what they often don't realize, and it's important to bring this to their attention, is say, hey, you know, if you have an OUP on your product, then let's say we're talking about agave syrup. So people will actually buy it for Pesach, and it's not just an eight-day market. Once they have it in their pantry, they might like it, and they'll buy it the rest of the year. And so it's a really good way, let's say they were using agave syrup under company X, and your company, Y, has OUP. So they'll switch from X to Y, and And now they've switched. Now they've switched. And it's an important thing, and it's it's true. It's true. This is what people do, and they look at the OUP, and now they see this product, and they like it, and, well, you know, maybe I'll just stay with it. So it's important for people to know that if there's a product out there, the OU has some ways of contacting these companies and encouraging them, but there's nothing like the consumer. And so I think that's a very important thing for people to keep in mind.
0: V- very interesting. Obviously, the amount of time and effort. Like, we, actually, I asked this question uh, to our Gurstein last week. Let me ask you: For you, when does your Pesach season start and end?
1: Well, we start, of course, after. I mean, you know, already after Pesach, there's all these chamishol Pesach questions. Uh huh. So I don't. So it hasn't ended yet.
0: <laughs> your Pesach season really uh, so, ends towards the beginning uh, of June.
1: Right. Exactly. So the <laughs> summertime. Um, and I, there happens to be, you know, a lot of quite remarkable questions that come up after Pesach, too. Very complicated world out there with distribution, etc. So we get a little lull in the summer, and then we try to motivate ourselves around sukkah's times to get ourselves motivated and, or to get, get ourselves, you know, ready and focused on this. We have a post sukkot meeting, and then we try to get the Jewish action rolling, etc. Um, but it's, I, I have to say, I mean, I, you know you met with Rabbi Gersten, and you're meeting with Rabbi Elif. It was really privileged for me to work with these people they're they have a lot of depth and a lot of understanding and uh, it's a very good team over here that's working on these these questions
0: and i'm sure you are a vital part of that team so thank you <laughs>
3: Thank you
4: te lois male mi shalo e I will I say, I say, So you.
2: She reo, the key, the key, the key, the key, the key, the key,
0: been listening to the Jewish Reaction right here on the Nachum Siegel Network, presented by the OU, the Orthodox Union. My name is Eli Haglund, the Associate Director of Yachad. And, of course, you can catch us here every Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock, immediately following Nachum on JM in the AM. I want to thank Rabbi Gabrielle Price, uh, rabbinic coordinator for OU Kosher, uh, for joining us today. And, of course, next week you can catch us here uh, at 9 o'clock on Tuesday morning with Rabbi LF talking about what's new and upcoming. And, of course, if you have any questions you'd like to ask, you can email them to ellie, E-L-I, at Nachum Siegel. Uh, Rabbi Price, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to The Jewish Reaction right here on NachumSiegel.com.